This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hey there, dear We Spin Recipes listener. I'm Andrew Apanov, and you're listening to the episode number 64. My guest today is Nico Sader, who I first met at this year's Bila Music Conference in Oslo. She hosted a bunch of uh, cool training sessions on behalf of Musical.ly. I was at one of her lectures dedicated to Facebook marketing. It was really good and needless to say, I'm very excited to welcome Nico as a guest on this podcast today and uh, you, the listener, will get a chance to hear some very interesting stories right from her and right on this show. So just for a bit of uh, background and context, Nico is a training and development manager at Musical.ly and writes for their digital publication called Sandbox. Even if you haven't been on the paid subscription, I'm sure you've seen one of the free annual sandbox reports or their released read a post on the Musical Eye blog. On the show, Nico talks about streaming data, industry trends, and shares lots of amazing case studies on artists who have done something cool and creative to grow their music brands. Uh, I, I love case studies, and uh, Nico is just. Uh, so great at this she knows a ton and um yeah you'll just hear it yourself in a second as usual you can find the links to the resources we mentioned at wispin.co forward slash wsr64 i hope you enjoy the episode here we go thank you so much for agreeing to be in the show how are you doing i'm all good thank you yeah i'm enjoying the sun when it's out but right now it's raining so that's what's going on in London, but I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all, all good here. Uh, once again, just uh, exciting to talk to you. It's, uh, in fact, just the second time and uh, the first proper time we have a conversation together. I uh, first met you on the session in at Bilam in Oslo. It was just magnificent, really, like very informative. I learned a lot myself and I just understood that we absolutely have to have you on this show. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> That's always nice to hear. And do you mind at this stage to share a little bit on your background and what you've been doing in this wonderful industry? Yeah, sure. So I am Swedish and I moved to London three years ago to study music business. So that's kind of how it got started. And it was meant to complement my studies with kind of media and communication, which is what I was studying, which I'd studied in Sweden. And then I got a job at Music Ally, which is where I work very quickly on while I was studying. So I just ended up working and studying at the same time, which has been great. So I started doing research where I did research on all types of streaming services until I landed into kind of writing for our editorial digital marketing magazine. And now I'm the head of training here. So that's uh, where you would recognize me from, you know, kind of training sessions where I kind of go through best practices and how to make the most of the different platforms. So it could be anything from, you know, YouTube and email to streaming and kind of giving an overview of what's happening in the industry. Since you mentioned that, I was curious to hear if there has been a particular hot topic that you've been uh, covering more than others in the past, let's say, two months. So the past two months, because I've been doing, I had a presentation for South by Southwest, which was on the streaming specifically for Scandinavian region. I've been looking a lot at, at streaming, which is, of course, not, it kind of feels like it's always a hot topic now. 
it's not new per se, but it's uh, definitely kind of the way, the different ways of how streaming is finally kind of maturing instead of just being like a new platform. It's actually kind of different strategies that are being tested out and and there's a lot of big platforms out there that are kind of competing for the audience. So it's always interesting to see. And then, of course, virtual reality is kind of on everyone's lips. So that's something that I'm looking into awesome. as well. Yeah. I mean, it all sounds exciting. And I, I know well that you talk quite a lot on your training sessions and uh, in your like articles and research and so on about different um, social media platforms and how to get the most out of them. That's something that, like, uh, I mean, I would like us to cover and get your insights on these platforms. I just feel that it may make more sense to keep our conversation focused around maybe several particular platforms. And uh, I want to tell you right away that I would really like you to share with us some interesting stories from your experience, from, from your research from the past year, maybe, or maybe something really fresh. It can be related to any social media platform out there, but it's just something that is really interesting. However, since you mentioned uh, streaming platforms, so some of our listeners may be skeptical still about about the streaming taking over everything mm. <laughs> in the, in the mm. industry. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're coming from a Scandinavian country and from a place where it's just totally mainstream these days and uh, like walking in this field and researching it, you you know quite well how like the cons and pros of, of this area. So maybe a few words on the on the scene of streaming, mm. if it's in a good shape, in your opinion, and where it's all heading. I mean, uh, so what I focus on in my trainings is to look at how we can make the most of streaming. So obviously coming from Sweden, when I actually, when, when I came to London, there was still a lot of talk about downloads, which is of course important you know, if you look at worldwide, it's still important and it can prove especially important for specific type of artists in, you know, specific type of genres and with the like with an old demographic, especially like CDs and vinyl. But I think that coming from the point of view of, okay, so this is what the consumers have decided to consume their music on, right? So we have all of these different platforms where, and they have decided to stream and that is the easiest. I mean, to be fair, people are, most people music fans are a slightly different type of breed but most people are quite lazy and so we would like it to be really simple to access everything and especially with you know the internet kind of mobile and all of these type of social media everything is our fingertips and we like music to be exactly the same and so I feel like this is what we have and we need to kind of make the most of those platforms but to be able to do that the whole industry needs to adapt and kind of change their whole strategy. So I'm very much, I also like to look at kind of what YouTubers do and influencers overall. And they're really good at kind of keeping a long-term strategy regarding kind of what they do and spread out the content over a longer period of time, which I think the music is still there. So the song is still there or the album is still there. We just need to distribute it differently Mm -hmm. uh, to adapt it and make the most so that people actually come back and listen more times so that we can earn more revenue rather than just buying it once, if that makes sense. Yeah, also, do you mind, uh, like, an example? It can be an actual artist or just, uh, you know, just uh, speaking in general terms, not meaning anyone in particular, how how a modern release would look like for an indie artist uh, with uh, 
you know, medium-sized following and the genre, which is, let's, yeah, I mean, any genre. So maybe anything specific here? Yes. So I actually think it's a good point that you bring up independent artists because for independent artists, it's actually what's going on right now on the streaming platforms because they are, it's very much still like in the beginning. So I think there's a lot of development that needs to happen. And right now it's quite difficult to actually have create a campaign on like a streaming platform, for example, that without any type of backing or, you know, kind of you need something. And I sometimes independent artists kind of fall in in between the cracks here. But I do have, I mean, I look a lot at the Scandinavian region, for example. So for, it's a quite a big kind of established hip hop artist there. But what they did was, it was really smart. His name is Petter and it was sewn in at the campaign. And what they basically did was they released an album uh, last year. And then they actually, at the same time, had another album, kind of a mini album attached to it. But it said like coming soon. So it was grayed out. And what they did was they released one track per every other month or per month. And so that they spread out. So people would come back, listen to the new track. And of course, when they listen to the new track, they might remember, oh, I want to listen to, you know, that track from the old album. And so you go back in the back catalog and you listen more there. And so you keep coming back from content and they actually manage to spread out the whole release instead of releasing it, you know, a three month period back and forth. They actually spread it out over a whole year. And I do know that the Ravenettes have been doing that. So they're more on the independent side and they've been doing that one track every month throughout the whole year, which is going to come out. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting approach to this. Uh, so do recommend uh, an artist uh, trying to just focus on one streaming platform at a time if it's something that an artist wants. So, for example, just Spotify and build an audience there or doing a little bit here and there, Deezer, Apple Music and so on. I think it depends on your audience, your country, because most of the time, so it's very easy for me to say that Scandinavian artists use Spotify because it's 90% of the population use Spotify, right? So it's like super easy. It is a bit more tricky when it comes to like a, a more kind of fragmented market. Um, so of course, Apple Music, if that's like a stronghold, then you might want to, you need to be thinking about what type of relationship do you want to cherish and where do you get the most of it? So if you're looking at revenue, I think that there's a lot to be said about, you know, revenue. That's a whole different kind of section on its own, actually. But for example, if I decide that my revenue is going to be really small on YouTube, we all know that that's smaller than on Spotify. You can try to push people. Uh, it's all about not making your fans getting annoyed. So as long as it's fine for, for the fans, you can try to push people, put out a 30 second clip on YouTube and then push people to listen to it on Spotify and Apple, if that's what you're kind of pushing people to do. And if they're okay with that, you can do that beforehand. And then a week after or two weeks after, then you're releasing it on YouTube because then they'll be okay with it. So cool, cool stuff. No, I, I got you perfectly. And, and by the way, yeah, if you agree, let's not talk about uh, the revenue aspects of it on this very yeah. conversation because it can... <laughs> Yeah, let's just focus on we'll, that. We'll, we'll, keep, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's just a too big one. Cool. I got you here. Uh, so any thoughts on SoundCloud Go, by the way? So I think it's really good that it's happening. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So because I did actually, like a month ago, I did this training for kind of younger, like it was 13-year-olds 
working in kind of music and they wanted to know more about it. And they were all using SoundCloud to kind of discover music as well as YouTube. And so that's kind of given me, it gave me an indication that SoundCloud is obviously very important, especially for DJs and remixes and kind of underground music. So as long as they kind of keep that aspect to it, I think it's great that we can kind of, that you can finally monetize the platform. So we'll see what happens. I don't want to say too much because it's so early True. In stages, yeah. but it's great that it's happening. So we'll see. Yeah. And I guess it's just interesting for us all to keep an eye on, on this area and, and see what they come up with next. Okay. So you mentioned some specific uh, examples already. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about this South by Southwest talk of yours. I, I wasn't there, unfortunately. So was it uh, just like showing how this model has been applied in the Scandinavian countries and how it can be done in the US market, for example? Or did you also mention some specific case studies? So what, what other topics did you cover there? Yes. So it was very focused on streaming. So it was how streaming have changed the way, like I went through before, changed the way that you're kind of thinking around an album release and what people are testing. So it's a lot of going through different type of campaigns and what fits in with what type of kind of audience and also how, yeah, how other markets can think about it. But it, it was, of course, very Spotify heavy because it was showing examples from Scandinavia and a lot also to I just kind of like I like what's happening their kind of approach the the labels approach is very much like we're learning we're testing different things this is what went they're very open with kind of this is what went wrong this is what goes well and so they all kind of share their knowledge which I really like it's kind of like a work culture that's spreading into music as well yeah and speaking about Spotify, uh, the company is really into technology and testing and data from what I know and from uh, what I've heard from people working in, in the company. And we see it on the articles, like the types of features they implement and so on. So is it like, um, is there a way for artists to use this approach to the, like using automate algorithms to curate playlists uh, uh, from coming from Spotify and so on? So uh, do you have any specific marketing tips for musicians to get a better visibility specifically on Spotify because of all the technological approach behind the platform, if it makes sense? Yeah, I mean, there's still, I totally understand what you mean. So of course, they have like their Discover Weekly playlist, which is all decided on algorithms. But that's all basically decided by, ultimately, it's like, if the track is good, right? then you're going to get a response to it. So if someone is choosing to, if it gets included in, onto a playlist, for example, and someone chooses to listen to it twice or three times or four times, then it might end up in a different playlist because they're seeing that people are responding well to it because their whole kind of approach is we want to create the best type of playlist that people, so that they have like the best experience, right? From an artist's point of view, this is very difficult to adapt to. And so I think... One part is to focus on building your overall audience on other platforms as well, because Spotify does look at other platforms. So if you are creating a campaign where you're, there's a lot of sharing going on on other platforms, a lot of tweeting around a release, you know, around the hashtag, for example, you have a higher chance of actually getting noticed and so that they place it in a playlist, for example. And of course, on the actual platform, you can also play around with building your own playlist and try to fit in 
with your kind of resonate with your audience in that sense as well. I think the main thing, if you are building playlists on Spotify, so where you kind of include your own music, you can create collaborative playlists. So you can have your fans sharing music with you and that makes them kind of listen to you more as well. And if you're doing that, you just need to keep it fresh. So whatever you do, kind of, I don't like, I don't like the playlist that kind of happens once and then nothing else ever happens. So I like them to be kind of updated. But it is a very difficult thing from an artist's point of view. So I always try to think like when I work, so I work with an independent artist now, and we were focusing a lot on the outside, getting a lot of attention around kind of building up our audience outside of Spotify. And then they kind of noticed it. Another way actually is that I applied. So they have their fan insights platform, which they kind of launched in beta. And you can apply, it gives you kind of more information on your fans and who who are listening and where they're listening, which is a great platform and it's a great initiative for artists and kind of managers to have access to. And you can apply for it through Spotify Fan Insights. If you Google it, then you can actually apply for it. And I think that kind of makes, if you get kind of accepted to getting access to the platform, I think Spotify kind of looks at you because there's so much content out, out there, right? So you kind of need to get through it. And so at least someone at Spotify would notice you. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just, um, it's a fascinating topic to me because uh, we have, we've been uh, trying to find out how to get noticed by Spotify. So, so far, there, there hasn't been a formal for that. It's just, yeah, the music has to be great. It, it needs to be shared. And it's a great point that you just mentioned. So if the a release performs well outside of the platform, they may notice. And of course, there are just uh, like curated playlists from users, which is uh, also a huge topic, obviously, but maybe you, you want to give a few tips uh, on that. Don't you think that it's been like overused a bit lately? Like uh, too many artists uh, pitching um, well-known playlist owners these days, or is it still effective? I mean, I think it very much depends on the type of, if it feels authentic from the artist. So first of all, you have to actually get someone to kind of engage with it if they have a genuine kind of interest in it then you can definitely use that too i think frank turner is a good example because he creates collaborative playlists which i quite like with his like fans and that tends to work quite well but it is a problem because it's kind of like oh we're creating playlists but like does anyone actually care or listen to them so i think it is something that kind of comes along if it feels natural to the artist i don't think it's something that you should do just to do you know what i mean yeah, makes sense. May absolutely, I agree. Yeah. Awesome. Any other interesting case studies related to streaming? If not, maybe something else. I'm just so curious to listen to some some cool <laughs> stories from you. Yeah, I mean, have you heard about Lucas Graham? Uh, tell me. So Lucas Graham obviously has like they're like number one everywhere now. They had this single seven years. I thought because we we wrote something quite interesting. You, you can put up the link alongside this podcast but we wrote something interesting about how that kind of developed on our website and that kind of so lucas graham is a danish artist kind of what is it indie pop rock i don't even know how to describe it but yeah kind of and it's very kind of honest lyrics and people tend to resonate a lot with it and they were really big in denmark but no one had actually heard of them outside and they used spotify playlist to kind of build up and resonate with the audience in the Nordics. And then actually when they saw that this was going so well and they were like kind of charting really high on the global kind of Spotify chart, they actually 
responded to that really well outside of the Nordics. And so they pushed the release to kind of coincide so that they could make the most of what was happening in the momentum. And I really like that campaign because it was really like acting in the moment of like, this is the data that we're getting. People are responding to it now. Okay, let's push it out now instead of like three months later where this momentum might have kind of died off. And so they were really quick to kind of jump on that, which I really like. It's kind of like responding to how fans are responding to you. It's a great insight here. So paying attention to the data is crucial. So data, collecting data for the sake of it doesn't make lots of sense. But if you actually act on, on what you discover and on the feedback that you get from people, from fans, and if there is a particular interest, unexpected interest in new territories, then you should act. Otherwise, the chance may be just completely lost. So it's something that I think a lot of artists can apply because even if it happens at a smaller scale, it's you can still do something interesting if you see yeah, a spike in attention somewhere yeah. or a particular platform picks you up. Definitely. It's always that thing with data, isn't it? Like we have so much data, but it's like, what can we like, what are the actual kind of questions we need to ask to collect the right amount of data? And what should we be looking at when we are actually look, you know, looking at the data? So that's kind of, I think that's a very interesting area, especially when it comes to streaming and kind of finding your super fans and serving them as well. I think that's an interesting topic. Quick question to you. What what platforms uh, do you use these days for analytics? I mean, Next Big Sound, or do you still yeah. use it after the acquisition by Pandora? Anything else? So I still use Next Big Sound because that I have access to it. So I kind of try to use platforms that I get access to. So of course, like Spotify, Fan Insights. When I look at social platforms, I tend to look at all of them. So obviously, there are like things like Hootsuite and Social Bro. Oh, they've actually changed the name now. Audience, Audio yeah, Sense. yeah, yes. Audio yeah. Sense, yeah. It's, I'm still getting yeah, used to exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. But I quite like the platforms own data. So like Facebook has really good kind of insights, which I really like. It's kind of easy to to keep an eye on. Hive is another one that I've just recently kind of started to play around with. They and are then great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's another one that's similar to Hive. I can't remember the name now, but they work with, they're more on the ticketing side. And I met them in the US. They work with uh, festivals like Lollapalooza and things like that. And um, they're also kind of quite interesting. So I try to keep an eye on, on that side. Cool. But it's obviously yeah. like from a different point of view rather than a label. I kind of look at what's out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think there is this kind of a trend where in the past years, uh, these uh, analytical tools for musicians have been uh, changing their, their reports and uh, layouts, even in the types of data they provide to make it to become more actionable. So I think that uh, data is uh, more accessible and easy to understand for artists than ever before. So it's possible to find some interesting insights and not just stare at a spreadsheet with numbers. So I guess, yeah, it just yeah. may be a good idea to to pay attention to this stuff that uh, different platforms provide to artists. I agree, yeah. Excellent. So unless you want to talk a, little, a bit more on uh, the streaming topic, do you mind mentioning um, one of the maybe most, um, one of your favorite case studies of uh, the past, I don't know, half a year or so, maybe even something that you've been covering frequently on your sessions is a great example of uh, just a marketing campaign, not necessarily related to streaming. Oh my God, there's so many. I love, 
<laughs> I I love all of them. I love um, I'm a camp- total campaign nerd, so I always get really into. I get really happy when I see a lot of campaigns that are going well. Well, I can one that I've really liked. That's from an indie band that's not really big at all. It was a local kind of London band, and they really I really liked what they did because they took something as live streaming which could be quite boring sometimes because you just think oh I'm te- playing around with live streaming so I'm just going to you know live stream my gig or you know live stream an exclusive track and it's not anything more than that and they really did something with it so what they did was they decided to play their newest single in the background and have a live stream on YouTube it's from a band called Moons they had this live stream on YouTube and they actually filmed a wall in London and there was kind of like a competition element to it. So they said that the first person that finds out this wall, where it is in London, in real life, goes to that wall and finds a chewing gum and under the chewing gum, there's a code and the first person that tweets the code wins £4,000, which is a lot of money, but it's the money that they would normally spend on a video, creating a music video they kind of decided to make an event out of it. And they would have this little bar which showed how many people were watching it. So they had like 5,000, 10,000. And every time you would reach a new milestone, they would zoom out on the wall. And this thing went so, it took off really quickly. Everyone, they got a lot of free press. Because of course, whenever you try to create something that's like completely bonkers, it's a great creative idea that kind of attracts more than, so it attracts your super fans, but also like outside of your superfans, so people actually talk about it and it's a happening in London, it gives a, an excuse for a lot of publications to write about you. So everyone started writing about this. And within the day, which was actually faster than the band had it expected, when I talked to them, they said it went so quickly, the person actually ended up finding this little code, which was uh, Jehovah, that he tweeted and he won the £4,000. But yeah, I thought it was a really smart idea to do something more than just a regular kind of live stream. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a great one. Anything else? I mean, I, I know that there is a lot, but tell me more. I've got loads, loads of them. But so uh, we, we, we will schedule another session uh, yeah, for, exactly. for the podcast at another time. But for now, at least a couple more, please. Yeah. <laughs> There's another one that I really like from the Scandinavian region again. That's from the Universal team from last year. And I couldn't actually because every year we publish this end of the year piece of Music Ally publishes that, where I pick out kind of the favorite campaigns of the year. And I couldn't fit it in because I put in a campaign by Avicii by the same team. But the same team created this other amazing campaign. It's from Creative Labs, the uni- uh, from Universal, that had this so, uh, a Swedish act called Tuvelu, which is a pop artist. And they did something where they did the most of kind of having a music video premiere. So they had her video for Time Bomb. I think the single was called Time Bomb. And it was hosted on YouTube. And they created this kind of website where you could log in with your name, watch the video. But it wasn't just you that was watching the video. It was you with anyone else. Like it could be like a random person from anywhere in the world. And when you, the two of you logged in, you would watch this and, you know, have this moment together. And then it would take like a, a photo of your kind of time together. 
And what it did was that it increased the watch time because obviously you had a different experience every time you would log in. So people wouldn't watch the video just once. You would watch it several times, which is in terms of revenue, it's great because you are actually extending the life of the music video. And you also would have this kind of nice experience to remember the music by. So you have really nice connotations with it. And of course, you have the opportunity. So every kind of every now and again, Tuvalu herself would log in. And as a super fan, you'd be like, oh, my God, like Tuvalu has logged in. So that was like super smart, which I really liked as well. And I also really liked it because it was like, I think we often talk about how like internet kind of makes us like, you know, kind of disattached and kind of disengaged with each other. And so I thought this was a really nice way of connecting people. So I really liked that one as well. Yeah, it's a great theme to explore. I mean, even if uh, one doesn't have uh, a budget for a custom like platform or anything like that, just finding ways to connect fans via maybe via communities or something like that may be wise because uh, yeah, by connecting people together, you increase the value of of your brand, in my opinion. Exactly. Uh, Really smart. Cool. So yeah, uh, I, I mean, if you want, you can mention something else. Or otherwise, we can soon wrap it up because uh, there is a lot of reading for our listeners. I'm linking to all the resources that you are uh, you've mentioned, and uh, actually, do mind talking a little bit about Musicali because I'm pretty sure there are just <laughs> few listeners who haven't heard of, of the platform and what you do there out there. But still, so because there is a bunch of different areas focus, so maybe a few words on the subscription and just overall what you do. Yeah, of course. So Music Ally started out like 15-16 years ago and the core of Music Ally is the information service. So we provide a daily bulletin to our subscribers and also a digital marketing magazine sandbox which I mentioned earlier to all of our subscribers as well. And so that's kind of how it started and then that's breached out into different areas of kind of businesses. So one of them is kind of research and strategy consulting for businesses, managers and artists. And the other one is kind of campaign planning and training for labels and managers and artists and festivals, which is where I'm the head of training. And so that's kind of what we do. We focus primarily on business to business development and the subscriptions is usually with so towards business to business. But we also have our website where we publish a lot of kind of articles that are available for everyone to read. And it's all focused on what's happening in tech and music. So when it started, it was all kind of in the midst of like the Napster era and kind of what was happening in the aftermath of that. And so that's kind of how it started because we always wanted to talk about how we can kind of drive the music industry forward and how that can kind of be built in with the tech industry and what's happening in digital and things like that. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm linking to it in the show notes once again, and anyone can just read the articles and subscribe. So that's, uh, that would be a smart idea. A lot of interesting, useful insights for music industry professionals and, uh, and artists to get some inspiration and ideas. Yeah, feel free to follow us on Twitter and follow me on Twitter. And on if you want a free extended trial, you can always email me as well. So you can extend your free trial and you get a little overview of what's going on in the music industry. That's nice of you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so yeah, right. thank you. And thanks for all the insights. Uh, definitely looking forward to you 
reports and articles and uh, insights uh, on conferences from you in the future. So thanks a lot, Nico. Thank you. Hope I'll see you soon. If you like the idea of inviting Nico to the show again so she can share more cases with us sometime later this year, for example, hit me and or her up on Twitter or email. I enjoy the sandbox reports, but love listening to these stories even more. So if you um, share the passion for interest in music marketing case studies, let us know. Thank you all for tuning in. Check out Musical.ly and Wispin if you haven't yet. And also, I highly recommend you looking into the Bilam Music Conference. It uh, happens in Oslo every March and it's very worth attending. There is also a high chance of uh, meeting me uh, there as well. All right, I'm done here. See you next week. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We Spin 12.